You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. The young people have been doing this series, and the kids have as well, about encounters with Jesus. So they've been studying many different stories, and they kind of chose those ones just then to give you a little taste of some of the things that they've learned. Um, So that's a great way of just kind of easing us in there. Um, And they did a really great job. So, fantastic. Okay, so... Um, we've been having some great discussions, and so I kind of want to pull some things out of um, what we've been discussing as a youth group and kind of bring them um, to us this morning. Um, so I'm going to focus on those characters that we've heard from, um, and we're going to zoom through them, because um, normally you don't really look at five stories in the morning. You only tend to look at one. But we're going to go through five, because we can. Um, so, um, one comment uh, that was made, I think it was kind of a throwaway comment that one of the young person who probably said it didn't realize um, they even said it. And um, was that they kind of said that, you know what, it's easier to encounter Jesus when he was alive. That's what they said. It's easier because he was alive. You could touch him, you could feel him. It was easier back then to believe in him because he was alive. And it kind of got me thinking. And I was like, well, yeah, I do agree with you. He's there right in front of you. I guess it could be easier to... Uh, talk to him face to face, to touch him, to experience him, uh, to encounter him. I guess it would be easier. But that doesn't mean today that we can't encounter Jesus. And in fact, I think the physicality of Jesus is the least of our worries. The fact that he's not here physically is, we shouldn't be worrying about that because I think there are bigger barriers that stop us from having an encounter with Jesus today. And those are what I want to look at today is those barriers that can stop us from really coming face-to-face with Jesus. So, our first character, we're going to start with Thomas. Although he was the last in the sketch, the Bible says the first shall be last. So we'll start with Thomas. And you find the story of Thomas based in John 20, verse 24. Now, not a lot is said about Thomas in the Bible. Uh, We know he was a disciple. Uh, He was with Jesus for the three years of his ministry. Um, he saw the miracles of Jesus, he experienced Jesus, but as uh, Ben explained, uh, he also saw Jesus die on the cross. So he experienced Jesus in his death, which is quite a powerful thing. And when you see someone die and they're pronounced clinically dead, you tend to believe it, right? So what we could say is that, um, really, can you blame Thomas for doubting? He's kind of got a name for himself, Doubting Thomas. But it's a bit mean, really. Can you blame him when actually something happened factually in front of him? That Jesus died. Logically, Thomas made sense. Logically. Thank you, Ben. And one of the things that we discussed in in our youth was the fact that Thomas was so convinced that when the disciples came to him and said, Thomas, 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 Jesus is alive, he kind of took it as a bit of a joke. And because he took it as a bit of a joke, he gave a joke response. Well, if he's alive, then I want to touch his hands and I want to touch the scars on his side, which the young people found disgusting, as would anybody. Anyway, so Thomas, in his logic, it just, just doesn't make sense. And for us, sometimes... Our logic can be a barrier, a mental barrier. 
You see, logically and humanly speaking, resurrection without the help of nurses or doctors just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. But you see, this was a lesson that Tom had to learn because God doesn't always work in our logic. And we find in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 to 9, and it's one of my favorite scriptures. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our human logic is not God's logic. And this was something that Thomas really had to grasp. Because sometimes in today's society, we can limit God. We can doubt him because it doesn't fit in with our human understanding, just like Thomas. Let's give a bit of an example. Um, So the story of creation. You see, logically, to create everything, the universe, the planets, it cannot be done in seven days. It cannot. Logically, that just does not work. It's so complex. It's so uh, connected. It's so detailed that seven days could not possibly be enough to create this universe that we live in. I'm not talking about the earth. I'm talking about the universe everything. So it might take millions of years to create that. And I'm not proclaiming today if it did take millions of years, if it did take seven days, although personally I go with uh, the seven days, but that's just a personal choice. But what I'm saying is that it's not impossible with God. You see, because he doesn't have our logic. I believe if God wanted to, he could create it in seven days. He could have created it in one day. God doesn't always work in our logic. So one point I want to draw from the story of Thomas is to not let our mental barrier, our understanding, our logic dictate the limit of your faith. Or more importantly, stop you from having an encounter with Jesus. Okay, moving on. We're going to look at the story of Zacchaeus, which is found in Luke 19. And Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. He was the chief, so he wasn't just any tax collector. He had tax collectors under him, and he dictated to them how much they should collect from the people. He was rich, he was disliked, and he was short. That's kind of what the Bible summarizes about him. So... A great guy, maybe had a few issues as well. But there we go. Money is one of the key things we learn about him. And um, so he loved money. And it was a huge part of his life. All he had was his money and his possessions. And really that kind of depicted his, his social standing. But money can be a barrier for us. Finance can be a barrier for us. You know, when we look at Zach's encounter moment, we see as soon as he met with Jesus, he gave back the money. But not just any amount, he gave back four times the amount. But I do wonder what might have happened if he hadn't have given up all he had taken. Money, possessions can be 
a barrier. You know, the Bible tells us that God loves a generous giver. And this isn't a preach to get you to give more money. This is a preach to tell you what God says. And God asks us sometimes to give what we have more than sometimes we think we can. And more often than not, when we're obedient in that, we can experience God in a whole new way, another encounter with God. When we hear the story of the Shunammite woman and, and how she gave all she did to the prophet, I'm sure it was Elijah. Could have been Elisha. Interchangeable. Anyway, no, I'm just joking. Um, and she gave all she could to this man, even though she literally had a handful. And after she would have eaten that meal, she would have died. But she gave all she could. But you see, after she listened to the prophet, after she did that, she had this miraculous encounter in God's provision. So by her giving, there was an encounter. But you see, if she hadn't have given, would she have had the encounter? See, sometimes finance can be a barrier. Personally, I came to recognize this um, a couple of weeks ago. Not even a, a couple. It may have only been one week ago. Um, which was the end of a journey that started three years ago. And when I knew God had told me to go to IBTI as a student, um, I had a job and I got more hours and was working really hard to try and raise this, well, 3,500, but for the two years, 7,000 pounds. And I'm thinking this is ridiculously hard working in a shop to get that sort of money. And so I'm saving, I'm saving and saving, but I knew that I had to tithe. And when you've only got a paycheck of 500 pounds and you're trying to get to 7,000, 10% of 500 is quite a lot. But I knew that that was a principle that I had agreed and promised God that I would give. So painstakingly, I wrote out 50 pounds. And every time, put it in the offering, saying, God, this is for you and I'm trusting you. A week ago, just over a week, I finally finished paying for my fees. And I know that that was impossible to do on my own. You see... I only worked in a shop. I didn't earn that much money. I went to IBTI, not even with my full amount of fees. And little by little, God just provided. And I believe it's just from giving sacrificially sometimes. Just from giving, knowing that it's what he's asked us to do. To be generous, not to just keep. Because the the logical thing would have been just to keep all the money I had. Because then it would have, you know, meant that I'd had more. Really? Generally, that's what happens when you keep it, and you grow it, and you add to it. You get more, right? But that's not what God asks us to do. He asks us to be generous, but also to have faith in that, and to believe that God is going to provide for you. So, the point from Zacchaeus is to not let money or finances be a barrier between you and God, but to, as Christians, be generous givers. Moving on to Mary and Martha. I love this story. I have a sister, an older sister, who's very bossy. And um, if she's listening to this, I love you. Um, and so I love this story because I'm like, it's a story of sisters. And the Bible is so applicable today. And it talks about families and sisters. And they were completely different, as most sisters tend to be. Um, and one of them 
we're so obsessed with the cleaning and things have got to be right and you've got to, to prepare a meal when someone comes to the house and you, you've got to clean and it's got to be presentable. And the other one, well, we don't hear much about her, but um, she was not like that. And when Jesus came to the house, as we heard from Eden, she wanted to sit at his feet. She just wanted to sit there. Whereas Mary was busy getting the food ready and you've got to tidy. What are you doing sitting at his feet? There's so much to be done. And she's getting it all a bit worked up. And I don't know about you, but when you're working really hard, you're like, you've been painstaking working something to get it ready. And you look over and someone is sitting down doing nothing. How frustrating is that? Extremely. Extremely. Fr- ah, I see parents nodding right there. Extremely frustrating. Martha wanted the best for Jesus. She wanted the best food. She wanted the the place looking the best. She wanted the best for him. So she was working hard for him. And to be honest, there's nothing wrong in that. The Bible wants us to give our best to God. The Bible wants a level of excellence towards God. Why not? That's a good thing. And then, as I said, we have Mary just sitting, listening and taking it all in. And to be honest, none of them were really in the wrong. We can't point the fingers, oh, you were in the wrong. Because none of them really were. But at that moment in time, it comes down to priorities. It comes down to priorities. There's nothing wrong with serving. There's nothing wrong with listening. There's nothing wrong with wanting the best or excellence. Because we do serve the King of Kings. We serve the Lord of Lords. He does deserve the best. But as the girls are struggling to pin it on the board, it comes down to the word. I'm stalling here. Priorities. You know, Mary recognized at the time that there is a time to serve and a time to receive and a time to listen. Mary realized that what was more important was to experience Jesus in that moment than to do things for him. And I think that's the key for us, is just in that moment. It's not saying that it's better just to listen all the time to God and not do anything. And it's not saying that you've just got to serve God and do all of this. It's kind of a combination that it's emphasizing there. But in that moment, their priority should have been to listen to him. Because as he later on says to Martha, Mary recognized that I'm not going to be here forever. So in that moment, their priority should have been him. You know, as a church, I think this can be a huge challenge for us. You know, we're, we're growing as a church, we're growing in ministries and outreaches, and we're getting busier and busier as the time goes on. And I think sometimes this has got to be a concern for us because we must remember what our priorities are. Because we must serve and start from the position of being at Jesus' feet. This is a plug moment, Chris, I'm going to plug it for you. In a couple of weeks, we have our prayer week coming up as a church. And you know what? It's such an important week as a church because it's a time when we can align ourselves. And in that moment, our priority is to listen to God. It's a moment, a priority that we should really be at the top of our list. Because it's a time when we can come and just listen to God and experience God. 
And I think as a church, we can take that time to almost make sure we're on focus, to re-listen collectively. I think that's another key thing that we can do in that week. It's just one example. A Sunday morning is another example. It's one day out of seven. And I personally think that should be a priority. It's not even a day. It's a couple of hours, depending on how long I decide to preach for. Priorities can be a barrier. You see, if God isn't my priority or something else is my priority, then God tends to come second. And if we're not putting God first and we're not spending time with God and we're not including him, then how are we going to encounter him? I think that's a massive challenge for us. Moving swiftly on. The last one, which Lorraine highlighted for us, isn't really given a name in the Bible, that there are a couple of other encounters that include uh, another lady. But this particular encounter that Lorraine spoke from was based in Luke uh, chapter 7. And the title, if you to look at the subheading, which I know is put in after the Bible was written, but there we go. It says Jesus was anointed by a sinful woman. She's not even given a name, which I think is quite sad. Some people assume it was uh, Mary Magdalene, but in the Bible, it's, she's not given a name. And we're just going to read this passage. And starting at verse 36. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman, just a woman, in that town who lived a sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And then we move down to verse 48. And Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is, who is this who even forgives sins? Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I love that little, that little part when Jesus says, your sins are forgiven and everyone's squabbling about the sins and then he takes it to a whole new level and he's like, you're saved. It's like, you question me, I'll raise the bar. Yeah. That was a little uh, one for free there. So, we see this story of this woman and you know what? She's hiding behind Jesus because she knows she shouldn't be there and she knows she's in the wrong and she knows what sort of life she lives. Some people have even suggested she was a prostitute. But she's so overwhelmed with the fact of who he is that she just comes before his feet and she takes his perfume, which probably cost about a year's wages. And she breaks it over his feet and she wipes it with her tears and she uses her hair to clean it up, as we've just read. And it's such this act of love. But you see, the Pharisees around her, the religious people, knew of her past, they knew of her circumstances, 
and believed she should not have been there and she should not have been touching him. But if she had let her past, her circumstances become a barrier, then she would never have found the forgiveness and salvation that she received from Christ. So our past can be a barrier. I'm giving a wink there. Thank you. Our past can be a barrier. And you know what? For the, for this sinful woman, or this woman, it was a, a bad past, it was a, a, you know, tricky lifestyle, all this stuff. That was, that could have been a barrier for her because sometimes we can go in life and we could think, but I'm just not good enough to meet with Jesus. And then we just don't make this effort to meet with him because you think, well, I'm not good enough. I've done too much bad stuff today. I can't bear to face him. But then you see there's the other side of the coin, which is that actually the good stuff that happens in our lives can also be a barrier because sometimes we can just fall back on, well, I heard Jesus. Oh, it was about five years ago. Um, and my, it was a great time then. Oh, it was a great time then. And we kind of just fall back and we rest and we rely on that good encounter with God. And we stop pushing forward to the new and exciting things of what God has for us. And so our past, good or bad, can be a barrier between us and God. So as we see from this visual aid here, which has been lovingly put together, there are many barriers today, which as I said in the beginning, the physicality of Jesus being here is is a non-issue compared to the other things that fill our lives today. But if we don't deal with these things, then maybe we're missing out on some encounters with Jesus that that we could have. But you know, one of the amazing things is I just want to look and go back to some of these characters because there are some hints in some of those sentences and words that show us or give us a helping hand as to how we can get past these. You see, Zach stepped out from his house to meet Jesus. The sinful woman stepped out from behind to have an encounter with Jesus. Sometimes we have to step out of things, but you know what the reward is that Jesus meets us. He he doesn't wait for us to come all the way. He doesn't wait for us to actually deal with all these issues, but he comes and meets us and helps us come past it. And you know what, the, the, Thomas's story just, just gets me really. Because Thomas is just, he's still not dealing with this, he's still doubting. But Jesus still meets with him. And he even quotes him back to him, if that makes any sense. Because Thomas said, you know, I'll only meet, I'll only believe if I can touch his hands and his scars. And Jesus goes, hey Thomas, you want to touch my hands and touch my scars? That would make me feel a bit awkward, I won't lie. You see, God does want to meet with us. Because encountering God is so much more than just hearing about him, hearing these stories that I'm saying. Encountering God is so much more. He's a personal God who wants to meet with us, who wants an encounter with us. 
These stories are here to encourage us that it's achievable. That we can meet with him. Experiencing God, encountering God is such an important thing for our Christian faith. And it's something that as a youth group and as a church, I think we need to be seeking more and more of. Because that's what really is going to set our faith apart. Just from, instead of just studying books and hearing to lectures or sermons and things like that, encountering him and experiencing God and what he has for us just takes it to a whole new level. Barriers. When we encounter God. Kind of do that. So that's all I have for you this morning. And I hope that I've challenged you and, and made you think about some of the things that may be in your personal life. There may be other things I haven't mentioned. There are more characters that we've studied. There are other points which I could have brought. But those were the ones this morning that we just felt were, were right. But I encourage you to search your heart, search your lives, really. And just see if there's something that maybe you're not giving to God or it's holding you back from really just kind of pushing through and hearing from God again. Because God wants to be in direct line with us. And he doesn't want us to have barriers. So as Tom and the worship team come forward, we're going to sing a song, but I encourage you that I think this is quite a personal moment to just spend some time with God this morning, to pray about it. Sometimes moments like these um, will come and go, but I think we have to persist through some moments and really just keep praying about something. And maybe if you don't think, oh, actually, Hannah, all those things that you've said, they really don't apply to me. Well, as I said, there are other things that maybe, maybe we need to work through. So take this time to search through your hearts and say, God, is there anything in me that's just not quite right? Do I need to get right with God this morning? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.